Hello, welcome to Cubs PS Plus, a Northside numbers game, a weekly podcast that dives headfirst into the analysis of hot topics driving Chicago Cubs baseball. I'm your host, Mike Waller, a lifelong Cub fan, full-time baseball stat nerd, and sometime youth baseball coach. Thanks for being here today. I know you have a lot of choices. You can find me on Twitter or X, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Blue Sky, and YouTube, all at Cubs PS Plus, a spin on the baseball metric OPS Plus. If you can, please take a second and drop a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you've done that, thank you so much. Maybe you can share an episode with a friend. Just a few seconds can help me get better and help other Cub fans find the show. You can also help support the Cubs PS Plus podcast by going to cubspsplus.patreon.com. There are four support tiers that come with added perks, and your support will help me keep this podcast ad-free. Welcome into episode 54, the Justin Hancock episode of this podcast. For the relief pitcher who wore number 54, the last guy to wear number 54, and it was the last time the Cubs successfully made the playoffs in a full season. So I want to pull some of that mojo out for this weekend. Uh, what a rough week against the Braves. The, that series did not go well. The was sad that every game was winnable you're playing the best team in baseball and they couldn't get it done so it's life in the margins and it's missed opportunities and now there's three games left and everything's on the line are you ready i'm ready here we go so that didn't go so well this is not the podcast i wanted to record this week and i'm sure it's not the one you guys wanted to listen to and i don't know where this one's gonna go this is uh I mean, this is this is the other, the other edge of the sword when you play contending baseball. You know, you contend. You're not guaranteed anything. Sometimes you win, and sometimes you don't. And we talked a lot this season about wanting to play meaningful baseball in September, and here we are. And sometimes the meaningful baseball is a really painful series in Atlanta, where your burned out bullpen just cannot get outs, and that's the way things go. Fielders didn't make plays. Bullpen couldn't get outs, couldn't score quite enough runs, and the Cubs lost three in a row to a really good team. And now they are on the edge. They're hanging by a thread in the playoff race. They start against the Brewers tonight. Um, the Marlins yesterday had a wild one in New, in New York. They were down one nothing going to the ninth. They scored two in the top of the ninth, and then the Reigns came, and they had to suspend the game. Now the Marlins are off to Pittsburgh. And if that game matters, Major League Baseball is going to make it up on Monday. Or not make it up, they'll, they'll complete the game on Monday. Um, resuming with the Marlins, with guys on base, up 2-1 to one in the ninth, and then the Mets will get their chance to bat. So there, it's even hard to lay out what the Cubs have to do this weekend. I think mostly what the Cubs have to do is win. They have to win and win often. A sweep of the Brewers probably gets them in. I don't, they have to be one game better than the Marlins if the Marlins lose that game Monday to the Mets. Otherwise, they have to be two. If the Cubs sweep, you know, I don't, I don't really trust the Marlins to sweep in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's been playing pretty good ball, and all of these teams are where they are because they couldn't handle their business against, you know, seemingly lesser competition. We saw the Cubs drop. You know, six of seven to the Diamondbacks. We saw them lose a series to Pittsburgh in the last couple of weeks. We saw them lose a series to the Rockies. So, really, this season, and it's been talked about a lot by everybody, but this is a season of opportunity and mostly of 
as it's turning out, missed opportunity. Now I'm not going to get into too much of the, you know, where do I put blame? Um, who do I think is on the hook or who made this mistake or that mistake? I've got an entire off season to be mad about that right now. I'm holding that hope. I'm still watching every game. And, and how, how do you take life as a fan at this point? I know just, just reading on Twitter and, and some of the various places where Cub fans talk online, it's interesting to see, you know, some people can't put the game on. They just can't take it. They um, want to track the score or they'll watch until it looks like they're going to lose and they go, and I'm not going to tell anybody how to fan. Like, you got to do it, whatever works best for you. Um, I love, as painful as it is sometimes, I love hanging on every pitch. Um, so like this week, Tuesday night, I coached a 14 U baseball game and got home probably an hour after the game started. Well, I, so I started the game, watched it from the beginning, but started an hour late and just, you know, stayed off social media and boy, that was painful. That one, maybe it would have been good to, uh, I was probably getting home and starting it not too long before the lead was starting to go away. Um, but you know, other days, you know, Wednesday, I was able to pretty much watch from the jump. Same last night. Um, tonight, we'll see. Um, I think tonight I might have to start the game a little bit late, but I think since they're in Milwaukee, it probably starts an hour later here, so I may not. Um, but I'd love to hang on every pitch. I don't want to know the score ahead of time. I don't want to track online unless I have to. It's one thing if it's in, you know, middle of June, and I've got work meetings and whatever, I might just have game cast up, but... When it's good and when the when the games matter, I want to see the game. I want to hang on the drama from pitch to pitch. I want to feel that tension, feel that energy as you know, the starting pitcher's taken out. Justin Steele comes out of the game with runners on, a couple runs in, and Jose Quas is coming in. Like, what's going to happen? That Thinking about that, I love that tension. And then when it's over... <laughs> it's over and you know, you got to sort of come to terms with it. I usually have to stay up a little bit and kind of unwind whether it's a big win or a big loss. And, and I really, you know, I wouldn't trade what the Cubs have done this season. I would trade it for more wins certainly, but in terms of being in this position after, you know, the Cubs haven't really played a season like this since well, 2019 and that one didn't work out so well, but you know, 2020, they won the division, but it was weird. You know, no fans in the building. Um, COVID year, 60-game schedule. That one just felt weird. Um, and then, you know, there was no pennant race in 2021 or 2022 for the Cubs. <clears throat> so it's kind of, uh, it's cool and it's kind of weird. And it's just, it's it's good being back here. I like this kind of baseball. I hope the Cubs learn from this and, you know, make, Make some changes. I don't know. We'll talk with the whole offseason, talk about changes, but clearly there are areas where they need to upgrade. I think Jed Hoyer in the front office and I think David Ross as manager all made some mistakes and hopefully we'll learn from those going forward and be a better version of the Cubs next year, better version of the front office, better version of a manager. And we'll see where it goes. But, you know, when, when I watch this team – it's been a little bit maddening from the start. So, you know, they had the, the good April. They got out to a 14-13 start, which was a little better than I think what people had expected. I think there were a lot of people, certainly, you know, the fan graphs, Zips, Pakoda, all those projection systems had the Cubs 
75 to 78 wins. A couple of them maybe had them winning 80 or going close to 500. Um, I had them um, going off to pull that back out. You know, when the season's over, I'll pull back my prediction. I can play it, but um, I had them by 83 wins. And if they were buyers at the deadline, I thought there was upside potential. And that's kind of where they are. They've got 82 right now with three games to play. Um, 83 wins is not going to get them in the playoffs. Um, 85 probably would. Depends on what the Marlins do. And I've said all along, like, you go back and look through the records the last 8, 10, 12 years and look at that spot that would have been the third wild card. And it'll play out a little bit differently now that there actually is a third wild card because some of those teams on the fringe might play harder to try to scrape out an extra couple wins to get that third spot. Whereas before, you know, if the third wild card spot was five games behind the second wild card spot, there was nothing they were playing for in the last couple of weeks. But pretty consistently, you know, 86 wins would have gotten you the third wild card spot in the National League. And that's what we're going to see this year. If the Marlins get to 86, they're going to get it. Um, <clears throat> the Diamondbacks have a good chance to get to 86. Like 86 wins is kind of that target to get you in the playoffs. Some years, 83, 84, 85 might get it done. It might be an occasional year where like in the, in the American League, sometimes they've had, you know, one or two really strong divisions and it might take 90 to get that third wild card spot. But for the most part, I think 86 is going to do it. And when you watch this team, it's been a good baseball team. And there have been some good surprises. Cody Bellinger has been better than expected. You know, the starting pitching on the whole has been better than I expected. Um, but maybe not kind of in kind of a weird way. I think I talked about this last week or the week before. You know, they've kind of always had, for the entire season, they've kind of had three starters going pretty well at the same time. You know, to open the season, it was Stroman, Steele, and Smiley. And then Smiley kind of backed off, and he started to get Hendricks in there, who was pitching pretty well. And then Stroman kind of fell off, started pitching poorly, got hurt, had the blister. I think he was trying to pitch through the hip injury. And that's when Jamison Tyone had his best stretch. And then you kind of get to the back end of the season, and it's been, you know, Justin Steele, Hendricks, and then Wicks stepped up, and Asada stepped up a little bit. Now Steele is kind of slumped a little bit. He pitched pretty well against Atlanta. Um, certainly better than his previous two outings. Um, but they just haven't been able to put four and five together. You know, if you, they have not gotten consistency out of the fifth rotation spot at all. Um, you know, Hayden Wisniewski has had his ups and downs. They've just, they've kind of had somebody going really poorly at almost every turn. And then the bullpen, we talked about it a lot. I mean, the bullpen for that stretch from, you know, June through August when they really played a lot of good baseball, the second half of June through August, um, that bullpen was pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of times that the four guys that they leaned on, Albert Azalai became the closer, Merriweather and Leiter Jr. became the primary setup guys. Fulmer was often, you know, cleaning up the mess left by a starter in the sixth or the seventh. And those guys were pretty much nails. So the problem is... It was really just those four. Like Palencia had some big outings in certain spots. They didn't go to him a lot. They didn't go to Rucker a lot. And the Cubs played a lot of games in this close, tight window. They were winning a lot of five to three and six to four and two to ones and three to twos. And when you're in those close games, um, 
I'm not going to make an excuse. I think the Cubs should have, and I've been talking about this for weeks, should have done more to get other guys ready and into those leverage spots. There's a pretty good chance that probably means you lose a couple more games in June and July as those guys are getting their feet wet and getting experience in those roles. But if they do that, they're getting more rest for Alzali and Leiter and Fulmer, and hopefully those guys aren't on the shelf now. I know Leiter's not on the shelf, but he hasn't thrown a good split in two, three weeks. Merriweather's gassed. He's still out there. He's still getting some outs, still bringing the velo, but, you know, it's been it's been a run for him, and you know, he doesn't have a lot in the tank anymore. And so that's one of the things I want them to work on for next year. But coming down the stretch, you know, it's been a disappointing September. You know, when you look at the games, you know, the they kind of peaked basically around well, the the, the Giants series. By the time they finished the Giants series, they were four games up over the Diamondbacks for the second wildcard spot and had another game or so cushioned for the third. And, you know, this month, you know, they, it's just been a lot of that. Now, they, they handled San Francisco. 5 nothing win with Steele throwing a gem. They won an 11-8 game. They won 8-2. to two. You know, they piled up the runs. And I never really, even though the one game was 11-8, I never really felt like the Giants were challenging in that one. But you look at the rest of the series, and the Cubs started in Cincinnati. They had that doubleheader on September 1st. And, you know, they blew, blew one of those games. You know, they, they won the first game 6-2, to two, and then they should have won the second game, and they didn't. They lost the Saturday game 2-1, to one, and then they piled it up and won on Sunday for a series split when probably pretty easily could have won three or even swept that series. And then, you know, after the Giants series, the Cubs were playing the closest competitor, the Diamondbacks, and they played the Diamondbacks um, seven times in 10 days, 11 days. And they just couldn't get anything done. I mean, at home, the Giant, the Diamondbacks took the first three games of that series, you know, six to two, one to nothing, three to two, and then finally the Cubs won on Sunday, five to two, before going to Colorado, where they lost the series to the Rockies, and then they got swept by Arizona, in Arizona. And those games, you know, the Sunday game was six to two, but you know they lost six to four and they lost seven to six. Like they just can't quite get out of their own way. And I think talked about a lot that I think there's a lot of rest. I think a lot of the regular players didn't get enough rest. Dansby Swanson hasn't had a game off since he came back from the injury injured list in, I think it was July 22nd. Nico Horner never sits out. Ian Happ. I can't remember the last time he got a day off. These guys have all made key mistakes in the last couple of weeks. You know, Dansby Swanson, the last, week to 10 days is still a good baseball player, but he is just not, he's not himself at the plate. He's been making uncharacteristic errors in the field. Um, Nico Horner made an error the other day that cost a run. Say Suzuki had the catastrophic drop in right field. Um, who knows? The Braves might've won that game. Anyway, they were coming on hard and, and that's a really, really good offense. But Ian Happ yesterday drops the ball in left field. I mean, it's just, it's like, Every single day that like they're so, I think they're, they're, it's a combination, I think, and this is me going pop psychologist. So this is, I guess this is going to be the hot take episode of my podcast, but I think they're both tired and with, I mean, every game matters. They've basically been in the playoffs for a month and they are pressing. You can just see it. I mean, they're, 
I don't know that they're getting swallowed up by the moment, but they're trying so hard to make something happen that you can just see it. I mean, look no further than Pete Crow Armstrong. Like he's going to be fine. I've got, he's still a top 10 prospect in baseball. I've got full confidence that he's going to come out, probably win the starting job in center field at some point next year. And he's electric. We've all seen the highlights from the minor leagues. We saw him in spring training. He's got a motor. He goes all the time. He works hard. I mean, when I've talked to Mark Weissman last year and then Mark on again, hopefully this off season, um, Pete was one of the guys he talked about. Like Pete set the tone and lifts when he was in a ball and the other guys were just trying to keep up. And then, you know, he races through double A gets to triple A every time he steps up, every time he gets promoted, he's had a little step back, but some guys go up and it takes them a month, two months to kind of, get their feet reset and start to succeed. And Javi Baez was that way too. But, you know, when Pete's been promoted, it's been 15 to 25 plate appearances. Like he'll go three for 20 and then he'll start ripping the ball. And unfortunately right now with the Cubs, I mean, the way Mike, Mike Talkman's playing well enough, they've got Cody Bellinger. This isn't the time when you can kind of just toss him out there and let him rack up 25 plate appearances and see if he can get the back going. Um, he's at like seven, 17 now, I think maybe 18 and he's just been off. Like he's, I think he's one for two or one for three in stolen bases. Um, he got deked the other day by Sean Murphy. I mean, that was, that was a little league play. Like Pete's coming off third base runner on first steals second. And Murphy just like fakes the motion of the throw. And all of a sudden, next thing we know, Pete Crow Armstrong's caught up and, wasn't tagged out. He was out for running out of the baseline, but like, that's a, that's a move that just can't happen. The Cubs had already put up runs in that inning. They had, they were going to have second and third. Say a Suzuki's batting. He's the hottest batter the Cubs have had lately. Um, and so some of those mistakes are just, it's just trying too hard. It's trying to force the action. It's trying to score four runs on the same play. I mean, it's just too much. And then the other night, um, you know, Tuesday after making the base running mistake, he's in center field. Maybe it was Wednesday, I can't remember which game, but he came in hard on a ball to center and dove thinking he can make a diving catch and he's made a ton of diving catches, but it was one of those balls where you just can't let it get behind you and he dove straight at it. It got over his shoulder and, you know, it just, it was not a good play and it's not something we're going to see from him all the time, but it's just pressing. You can see Dansby's pressing. The guys are just trying to do too much in the moment. It's, it's easy to say and harder to do, but you know, relax and let the game happen. But I'm still back to playing meaningful baseball. These games matter. The Cubs are not eliminated. The earliest they could be eliminated, I believe, is Saturday. The Cubs are currently a half game behind Miami. And that half game will get resolved um, on Monday if it matters. Um, the Diamondbacks are actually still in range. The division's gone. So um, with the Cubs' first loss this week, the Dodgers did clinch the division. But the Cubs are now... Excuse me. So the Diamondbacks are 
in the second wild card, they're a game and a half up on Miami. Miami's got the third wild card, half game up on the Cubs, and they're a game and a half up on the Reds. And so the Cubs have a one game edge over the Reds at this point. They're, you know, probably would just assume at this point, given the Marlins have a lead over the Mets in the ninth, they're probably effectively a game behind the Marlins, which means the Cubs have to be two better than them this weekend. And that's going to be doable, but it's all order. The Cubs absolutely have to win two of these games unless they just get luck um, and have the Marlins like get swept by the Pirates um, and then also lose the game Monday if it matters. So the Cubs just got to take care of business. You know, I've <laughs> I've kind of laughed throughout the year. You know, there are times in May where fans would say this is a must-win game, and it's just not. I mean, every game matters. Every game counts the same. So every loss in May counts the same as a loss in September. But it's not like literally that they have to win. The Cubs have to win that game. The Cubs need to get wins and move on and, and play well and go on a good trend. But they don't have to win that game. Well, now the Cubs have to win this game. If the Cubs lose tonight, it's going to be pretty close to over. Um, if the Marlins lose, then we're kind of in the same boat as tomorrow. But then the Cubs really would have to win the last two and hope that the Marlins lose at least two of those um, that they have left. So I think it's kind of all hands on deck. It's going to be interesting. We, I, I like the rotation, the way it's set up for this weekend. It's Hendricks tonight, it's Jordan Wicks on Saturday, and it's Justin Steele on Sunday. So... If the Cubs can get to a point where Sunday matters, even though he's struggled a little bit and I think he's a little bit out of gas for the year, who else would you want out there besides Steele? I think probably, maybe not tonight, but probably by tomorrow, I think Stroman's probably available for the bullpen. I think Jamison Tyone's probably available out of the bullpen. I think you start playing these games like you're in a playoff series and a back end of a playoff series because you got to get these wins. Um with the bullpen being gassed, like they just couldn't get out yesterday. I thought that the bullpen pitched really well. You know, Wesneski looked good. Luke Little looked really good. Um, so maybe you've got to look at some of those guys. Maybe you don't go lighter in Merriweather. Um, we'll see, but you know, they're playing the Brewers. They're going to miss the Brewers top three starters, which I don't know. The Cubs do have done reasonably well against them. So especially Corbin Burns, but, um, they just have to hit whoever they're facing. And what's wild is, you know, I was kind of looking at the numbers today and I just wanted to see like, you know, it's been a disappointing September and they're, they're 10 and 14 in September, I think. And so like, what's really fallen off. And so I, I went to fan graphs and I pulled up their hitting and pitching stats. And really, if you look across the board, like I'll, I'll use WRC plus, I like going with that. Cause it's a, it's a nice, easy measure kind of shows you how the team's doing. And really, like the Cubs are for the month of September. Oops, wrong window. Take that out. You're even in high leverage spots, it feels like the Cubs are not doing that well in, in big spots, guys on base. But in, you know, Fangraph's leverage spots, the Cubs are ninth in baseball in September, and they've got a 128 WRC plus in those situations. Yeah, if you take the. Leverage out and just look at the month as a whole. The Cubs are sixth in baseball in WRC plus in September. And then even if you look at the pitching, you know, the pitching is clearly where the stuff has kind of fallen down, especially, you know, in the Brave series. But 
depending on what you want to look at, if you look at FIP, the fielding independent pitching, you know, in the in the month of September, across the board for the staff as a whole, the Cubs are ninth. They've got a 387 FIP in the month of September. If you'd rather look at, um, you know, if, if you'd want to look at WHIP with guys on base, you know, they've they're 11th. They're still top half of baseball. And then if you go starting pitching, you know, Steele hasn't done as well and, and the starting pitching hasn't been quite as crisp. You go back and look at FIP and the Cubs are ninth. Wait, no, that didn't take the sort. Let me resort this. So if you look at uh, starting pitching, well, they are actually ninth. And they've still got the 387, you know, fit. If you go to relievers, which is where, you know, things have kind of fallen down. You know, they, they are a little bit lower. They're 18th in baseball, but that's not far off. You know, the median team is Houston at 15th. And they've got a 422 FIP. Cubs are at 461. That's not a massive difference. And it's not like they're a bottom third team in in Believers, it's just been, it's we've been saying all season. It's playing those close games. It's playing in that margin, and it just seems like lately when the Cubs hit, either they get a bad outing from the starting pitcher or the bullpen lets them down. If they get a great start, they don't score enough runs, or the bullpen blows it. Like yesterday, the bullpen was great, um, but Stroman got them off to a rough start. The defense didn't carry, didn't carry water yesterday. I mean, there's just too many errors. Um, and didn't get enough runs. And so it's it's just how it's gone. And that's kind of how this team is constructed. I mean, they've, they've got very good baseball players on here. Seiya Suzuki is having a fantastic season. Cody Bellinger has been at big chunks of the season, like MVP level Cody Bellinger. Ian Happ, you know, he gets a lot of fan criticism, especially on social media. But if you look at his numbers, he's lined right up with last year. He's had some slumps. He hasn't been quite as consistent as he was last year, but he's had a good season. I mean, his his numbers are there. He's he's hitting. He's taking his walks. You know, he's. I think, you know, the Cubs have six guys with twenty home runs, so they don't have that big bopper that's going to hit 35, 40, 50 home runs like Matt Olson. But six guys hitting twenty is nothing to sneeze at, and they're getting now that they're kind of forced through injury with Nick Madrigal down and Jamer Candelario was down for a couple weeks. They've had to play some of the bench guys and they've gotten some really good play from, you know, very limited play from Alexander Canario, but he had a huge game. Uh, Miles Mastroboni, you know, had a four game stretch last week where he was hitting about 520. Um, did not have a great game yesterday. We'll see what happens today. Um, but it's, it's just in the margins. Like they're just not doing those just not getting it done. Like it just seemed like in July and August, somebody would come up and you need that hit. Seems like it would happen where you get that one run lead, you know, Fulmer, Merriweather and lighter would lock it down to get it to Alzali. And it's just not happening right now. And they're all, they're all pissed. They're all trying so hard. And I can't imagine what's in the locker room. I mean, I know there's some venting. It, it doesn't seem like they're, you know, fighting with each other or anything like that. I, I think they're still together. I think David Ross still has this, has this team playing hard. It's just, you know, it's hard to go in every day and take that close loss and know that you know, you're one game closer to the season being over. 
I also wanted to take a look at, you know, clutch stats. It seemed like, uh, you know, the way some of the season's gone, um, you know, I think it's pretty obvious. We've talked about Jan Gomes. I mean, his, his clutch numbers are off the charts this year. I mean, he's, if you look at his career, if you break down the fan graphs, leverage numbers, um, you know, for his career, he's like, he's a 90 WRC plus for his career. And if you look at his Fangraphs career splits by leverage, in low leverage, he's a 91 WRC plus. Medium leverage, he's 89. And, you know, um, high leverage, he's 91. So over the course of his career, he's done exactly what Jan Gomes does. You know, he's, he plays to his career numbers. What's wild is last year, you know, Gomes' numbers were basically reversed. He was good in low leverage. He was okay in medium leverage, and he had a negative two WRC plus in high leverage. But this year, his high leverage WRC plus is 182. It's like he's 119 um, in medium leverage and 60, 62 or 64 in low leverage. It's been wild. But if you look at the Cubs players that have at least 30 high leverage plate appearances, the way it breaks down is Gomes leads the charge at 182, and he's in Atlanta. He had a lot of big hits. Um, might surprise some people to see that, you know, second place is uh, Seiya Suzuki and Ian Happ, both at 138 WRC+. plus. After that, Christopher Morrell, 134. He's had some big moments, and some of those really stand out. But in those high-leverage spots, he's, he's come through a lot. And then, you know, you get to the other three that have had 30 plate appearances in those in those spots, and it's Horner at 83, Bellinger at 65, and Swanson at 26. Um, I think probably anybody watching the games would tell you that Swanson has not been especially clutch this year. I know for his, for his career, he's, that's not been an issue. I mean, I, my friend Lance, who came on last week, um, he came on to talk about Dansby last year after the playoffs and, um, the numbers don't necessarily always bear it out, but you know, Dansby had a reputation in Atlanta as being a clutch player. He would maybe not be hitting, put up massive numbers, but when you really need to hit, he would do it or his home runs would come in a big spot. And he's had a couple of those this year, but not as many as I think people expected. Um, Haps is driven largely by walks. He's got a 265 batting average, a four, 449 um, OBP and a 386, I think, uh, slug. He's got a 26% walk rate in high leverage situations. And yeah, it's, it's kind of good and bad. Like, right, I'd, I'd rather have him hitting bombs and ripping doubles. But if, if you're batting in front of Cody Bellinger and Seiya Suzuki, take that walk and move the line. Put another guy on base and let the guy behind you hit. Um, it, it was surprising to me to see Bellinger at 65, but he has done – you know, he's done a lot of damage this year. I think I think one of the things with Bellinger is I think he's tended to do big things early in a game. Not that he can't handle the late situations or anything like that, but I, I think it kind of fits his Cubs offense. They often score, and they might score a bunch early, and there have just been too many games where they've lost and they did not take advantage of opportunities to tack on runs later in games. Um, Horner, probably basically noise. I mean... You give you look at all these guys' careers and you know, Haps is long enough, you know, like I point out, Gomes is doing his basically on, on his career leverage splits, he's doing his career numbers. And that's what most of these guys are gonna do. There's the occasional outlier that 
maybe is a guy who is particularly clutch. Um, it's rare, but it does happen. Or particularly unclutch. But for the most part, and these fluctuate a lot year to year. Like last year, Gomes having a negative two WRC plus at high leverage, and this year he's 182. Like, there's no explanation for it. It's 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 luck and it's matchups and it's kind of whatever happens happens. You know, it's it's baseball being baseball. So I think there's going to be a lot to talk about when the season's over. I hope the season is not over this weekend. I would love to have playoff action in Milwaukee next week, as I'm sure all of you would too. I think there's going to be a lot to break down. I want to get into, you know, what drove this season? What players were surprises, both good and bad? You know, who really emerged this season to take a role that may last beyond this season? You know, I think some guys... You know, we, we kept hearing about the summer of Mike Talkman and it was. But Mike Talkman is what Mike Talkman is. I mean, he's a good player who plays a solid defensive center field. He's fast enough. He's not a burner. Um, he's going to hit all right. He's going to give you competent at-bats, and that's what he's done all year. Like, I mean, leading off yesterday's game, he had an eight or nine pitch at-bat to lead off. He's you know, I think JD was talking about him being basically an automatic full count. So it's nice to have a guy like that at the top of the order. But, you know, if the if the Cubs are going to improve their roster and, and build up and take that next step to being go from being a, you know, kind of a fringe wild card team that maybe could win a weak division to a team that, you know, could be a division favorite and be a team that is somebody to be contended with in order to get to the World Series. Like they don't necessarily have to leap to being World Series good. But if on that next step when they're a division winner. They're a team that's going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Mike Talkman's probably not your starting center fielder. He might be your fourth outfielder, but he's probably not your starting center fielder. And so those are just some of the things that the Cubs are going to have to figure out, you know, and th- those bench roles. You know, I, I don't think they've used the bench very well this year. I think maybe they wouldn't be scuffling so much right now if they had gotten a little extra rest in July. And we've seen enough... You know, I know Miles Mastroboni struggled a ton early in the season, and the Cubs have not given young players a ton of opportunity. But when they have given those guys chances, when Mastroboni got to play a little bit more, when Madrigal was hurt and Dansby was hurt in July, and then got to play now with Madrigal and Candelario down, he's hit the ball. I mean, he's gone from, you know, for a long time, he was scuffling around a 150, 180 batting average. You know, he's up over 250 now or at least he was uh, during the game last night. And he'll work a count. He'll work a walk. He can play a competent six positions, play competent defense at six positions. Those guys have value. When they brought in Nelson Velasquez early in the season, let him play, he had a couple big games. He had that you know gr- huge grand slam against Seattle. Those are moments. Canario, you know, he had his double in his grand slam game. You know, you got to let the bench guys play to some extent. And the Cubs did that a lot with Mancini and Hosmer and Barnhart. But I think, especially given the fact that the Cubs walked away from those contracts, I think that was more about, let's see if we can get this guy going, because if not, we're going to have to move on. Well, next year is going to be, you need to improve the roster to start. And then any kids that you bring up to give a shot to, they got to get their shot. They got to get some regular playing time. I would have liked to have seen Matt Mervis a little bit more this year. Um, 
you know, Nelson Velasquez is whatever. He was clearly not a guy who was significantly in their plans. I think they clearly saw him as below PCA, below Canario, and not likely to be around when Owen Casey or Kevin Alcantara come around. So him being trade bait made perfect sense. I think we'll see what happens with Canario. He's another one that might wind up being trade bait. Um, Christopher Morrell could be trade bait. He doesn't really have a position. You know, he, he hits and he's, I love his energy. I love Christopher Morrell. He's one of my favorite players and I'll always love the guy. But unless he's consistently producing big offense, where do you play him? I mean, they, they might give, maybe he wins the third base job next year. The Unless the Cubs go after Matt Chapman, who I think is likely to get kind of an overpay contract. Um, I'm not totally in love with that guy. Um, maybe it makes sense to let Christopher Morrell have a run at being the starting third baseman. But otherwise, I think, especially if the Cubs keep Cody Bellinger, which I, th- I think they will. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But um, between Bellinger and PCA, I think center field's going to be covered. You've got Happ and Saya kind of locked in and right and left. There's the DH, but again, like Christopher Morrell's a really athletic player. He's got a cannon for an arm. I would hope at some point they can find a position for him. He's, I think he's actually really good at second base, but obviously that position's taken with Nico. So where do these guys go? But, you know, the Cubs have to be able to have a bench that's got talent and let those guys contribute. I mean, I've talked about it before, but you go back and look at the 2015 team, the 2016 team, the 2017 team. I know Joe Madden worked his magic a little bit differently than David Ross does. And Madden probably put together a few too many of those sort of getaway day lineups with, you know, three quarters of his usual starters out. But they got a lot of really big contributions from guys like Chris Coughlin and Tommy LaStella and um, oh the Matt Caesar and you know there were just a bunch of those guys that were bench guys, but they got enough run they were able to come in and give some good at bats, make a play in left field. You know that's what the Cubs need and keep that team fresh. You know there's a reason why I know the Braves play pretty much everybody every day, and that's where Dansby came from. Um, but there's a reason why basically 29 teams don't do that. You know, for the most part, either the players at every position are not going to be good enough to justify playing every day. Like that's why platoons exist. Um, the Braves have a really good lineup, but just a generation, generationally talented lineup that puts up just a ridiculous amount of offense. So I sort of get it from that perspective, but if you don't have that lineup, then you need some variability. Give Dansby Swanson a couple days off. Give Nico a few days off. I'm not talking, you know, sitting them twice a week. Um, once or twice a month. I think it makes a difference, especially because with the off days and the increase in off days, I know the Cubs tried to rely on those, but if you can give a guy the day off before or after a day, you know, a, a day where there's no game, now he's got two days off, can really get some rest, get some treatment, you know, get in the gym, get a workout in, like do what they need to do to kind of freshen up and be ready to go. And sometimes it's not even physical too. Baseball is a mental grind. And when you're playing, so the Cubs have basically been in the playoffs for a month. They've been trying to get in position, keep position. So many of these games matter. They're trying to win every series. And when you're constantly playing the close games, you're constantly in a battle in the standings. 
there's no comfort room. There's no real margin for error. You know, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to keep that mental focus day after day after day and be able to bounce back from a mistake, you know, have an O for four with three strikeouts and just shake it and come back the next day. You know, that, that's not an easy task. And if guys are doing that for too long, I mean, we saw what happened with say Suzuki, like he was started the season injured, was had a decent run and then was just in a long slump and they set him down for like a week and just let him rest and refocus. And I know he was working on some things in the cage and just kind of clean some things up, get his approach back. And he went from a guy who was, he's always got a good eye. So he's always working big counts, but he was, he had looked tentative. He was, you know, taking very hittable fastballs and just, he came back and he flipped that switch and all of a sudden he was much more aggressive. He was looking for his pitch to drive and he was much more aggressive at the plate while still maintaining, you know, his good eyes, not, he wasn't chasing a lot and the results have been great. And I think sometimes guys need that reset to focus. You don't, it doesn't have to be a week. You know, Dansby Swanson goes in the slump. He doesn't have to sit down for three days, but if they can get him a game off tied to an off day, now he's got a couple days to kind of, kind of reset. Um, we saw him, his Best stretch this season, I think, was to start the year. He got off to a really good start, and he was fresh. And there's, I'm sure there's more to it than that, but, um, you know, watching this team kind of limp to the finish has been sad to see. I mean, it's I think every season is unique. Every, every season, every team has its own feel. And, you know, there are big championship vibes like 2016. There are other seasons that just, they just don't start. You know, last year, the Cubs were out of it by May. And other seasons, you know, they, they all have their feels. And this one, you know, was up and down early. Like, I thought they could be a playoff team, but they weren't really doing it. And then all of a sudden, they got really hot. And for like six, eight weeks, they played basically, you know, 97 to 100 win pace. And they weren't really that good. You know, th- this is not a 97 to 100 win roster. But they played like it for a long time and made up some of that ground they lost in, in May. But back to starting the roster with only two outfielders leaving spring training because Saya was hurt. Spending way too many at-bats on Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini and to a little bit lesser extent, Tucker Barnhart, Luis Torrens, Edwin Rios. like Those guys that just didn't really contribute, they gave some games away. You know, the... Jed was talking about it this week that the, you know, he knows that the Cubs got out slow because they sort of just thought they'd figure the bullpen out and the guys didn't have their roles. And I think people will tell you they want to know what their job is. And people can be versatile and sometimes you have to, you know, do something that's, you know, not quote your job. But not having defined roles, not knowing who the closer was, that set them back. And, they ultimately figured it out, at least with those four guys. Um, and they figured out some of the roster stuff. I, I'm encouraged by the fact that they were willing to walk away and eat money on guys that just were not performing. It's a sign that they're serious about winning. But, you know, they just, it's missed opportunities. You know, every game, every game matters the same. You know, they have a 10 and 18 May. If they're, you know, 14 and 14 in May, 
the Cubs were probably in the playoffs, pretty much locked up. If the Cubs had won the Pittsburgh and Colorado series, you know, they're probably just about maybe a win away from securing at least the third wild card spot. If they had split with Arizona, they'd probably already be clinching the playoffs. Like they've just they've had these opportunities, and there have been. I know everybody was screaming Tuesday night about, wow, say is missed fly ball in right field is going to keep the Cubs out of the playoffs. And it was never going to be about one game. You know, that was one of the, one of the options. That was the, one of the games that, you know, would have been nice to have, but you look back and it's could have been losing three out of four to the nationals in May. It could have been getting swept by Miami in May. Um, in fact, probably if, if they hadn't been swept by Miami, if they had won one of those games in Miami, They'd have to go to a secondary tiebreak. I don't know what it would be. I'd have to get that in front of me and look it up. But, um, you know, just a couple of things flip like that. You know, they, if they don't start, if they don't lose four of their first five against Cincinnati, but when Cincinnati wasn't even really playing that well yet, maybe they have the tiebreak with Cincinnati. If they had tiebreaks right now, things would be looking much different. Even if the Marlins win that game against the Mets, then it's, okay, the Cubs are a game back. You know, if they drop one to Pittsburgh and the Cubs win that day, they're back to Tide, and then the Cubs have the tiebreak. But that's just not how it's gone. It's been in the margins. The Cubs have lost this in the margins, and just next year they're going to have to figure out a way to make the roster better and, and get on it earlier and hopefully get out to a quicker start. But, you know, three games left. Big three. At least two of them matter. They are going to be, they are going to be playing meaningful baseball on at least the next to last day of the season. And it doesn't feel so great right now, um, given where they were a month ago, given how they looked in you know July and August. But it's a place that I was, even when I said I was hoping they would play meaningful baseball in September, I was thinking maybe the first couple of weeks. You know, if they were going to be that 81, 82, 83 win team, I was thinking they might be kind of out of the playoff race by the middle of September. But that's not been the case. So it's. I'm thankful for what we've had. It's not been, not gone the way I wanted it to go necessarily. And it's been it was a rough series in Atlanta. So I'm glad that's over, but hopefully the cups can go and, and make some noise and at least make things interesting in Milwaukee. I would love to be tuning in Monday afternoon to see if the Mets can come back and knock out the Marlins, maybe put the Cubs in the playoffs, but enjoy these last three games. Cause the other thing is, if they don't make the playoffs, it's three more games of baseball, and then it's a long, cold winter until spring training. And I've loved having baseball in my life this season. I've loved watching this Cubs team as torturous as they they make it sometimes. And I'm going to miss it when it's gone. So I'm going to enjoy these last three. I hope you do the same. Watch it however you can take watching it. Fan however it is you fan, but uh, enjoy it and go Cubs. Thank you for listening today. If you like this episode, please drop a rating or a review wherever it is you get your podcasts and share the episode with a friend. Just a few seconds gives me great feedback and helps other Cub fans find the show. You can find me on Twitter or X, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Blue Sky, and YouTube, all at CubsPS Plus. And check out the Patreon page, CubsPSPlus.patreon.com to help support the show and keep it ad-free. As always, the music for this podcast is from Prospect Park West by Jerry McCoy. This is Mike Waller, host of the Cubs PS Plus podcast. Every day with Cubs baseball or talking about Cubs baseball is a great day. Go Cubs!